Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of One Step Beyond. This is a podcast about transformation through leadership. On our show, we have conversations with people who are creating change in business, in their community, and in their lives by choosing to lead. This is about daring to overcome barriers, push past limitations, and reshape our present and our future. I have been super stoked lately. So like, I admit, I'm I'm a guy that's kind of like, I don't know, I'm critical of reunion bands. And so I know a lot of people come from different areas of interest to this podcast, but I think it's no surprise if you've listened to more than one episode. I grew up in the punk scene. I love punk music. I love hardcore, all of that stuff. I am definitely critical of reunions. I've become less so over time. Like I've been in bands that have done reunions. I get it. But I'm always like, really? Does your band really need to do a reunion? Like a little eye rolly. But lately, one of my favorite bands of all time from Rhode Island, Verbal Assault, they have announced they're doing some shows. And I, I don't know, there's something about Verbal Assault where I'm like, oh, that's the band that needs to do reunion. It's kind of the same way I felt about Gorilla Biscuits, where it's like, if there's a band that I want to see you reunite, it's Gorilla Biscuits. Same with Verbal Assault. I'm super psyched. And it's really got me thinking about how much I want to be there. Getting me thinking about how much I want to be there makes me think about travel and seeing friends. And I realized it's like, oh, man, we're kind of at the edge again of like where life becomes possible. And I know there's still things like the Delta variant and it's scary and, and we definitely need to take it seriously. People got to get vaccinated. People got to wear masks as needed. Like we got to be careful. But life is happening and that's cool. So if you're listening to this, this isn't a false horizon. I really feel like we're trending the right way. I don't know. History could prove me wrong, but let's keep taking care of each other. Let's be kind to each other and let's keep hoping and working towards getting to that place. We're talking to someone from Rhode Island. We're talking to my friend, Rich Gaccioni, who is the owner of an incredible company called Born From Pain. So joining us today is also Monica, uh, who is a true liver of life and a colleague of mine in the company. She's a physical presence and mindfulness coach with Cadence and a fellow vegan. So I'm really stoked to have her join us. Rich was born and raised in Long Island, New York, and now resides in Providence, Rhode Island. He played in bands all of his life, worked as a roadie, and has been vegan now for almost 20 years. He moved back from the barrier where he was living back to Rhode Island. And during the pandemic, he found himself inspired by a Netflix cooking show to make vegan bread for the very first time. After the successful execution of his first loaf, Rich realized that he can make something more out of it. So... He started Born From Pain Bakery, a very cool and hilarious backstory to it, which we hit on in the podcast. They make 100% vegan handmade small batch seitan meat alternatives and bread. And this is cool. This is just something he decided to start because he watched a Netflix show and now it's really taking off. So before we get into it, I want to thank our sponsors, SE Electronics. And if you haven't yet, then please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. All right, let's get to the episode. I'm your host, Aram Arslanian, and this is One Step Beyond. All right, everyone, and welcome back to the show. So like I said in the intro, we've got Rich from Born From Pain Baked Goods, and then of course, my fantastic co-host, Monica. So Rich, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Heck yeah. Well, listen, since I heard about you starting this company, I've been really interested and uh, I've wanted to have you on the show. And of course, for everyone, I uh, will give you the, the sneak preview. Now, Rich and I have known each other for, I don't know, like maybe getting up towards 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be at this point, 20 years at least. Yeah. I'm going to say something though. 
you've aged very well. You look almost exactly the same, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And you as well. I mean, it's, it's great, but thank you so much. Well, and of course, Monica, you look a hundred times better than either one of If Rich and I were combined, you'd still look better than both of us. So like, we're all, let's just compliment each other. It's a good way to start. Uh, Rich, you're the first person I actually ever personally knew who was at all involved in Warcraft, not Warcraft, uh, Warhammer. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that was, those are uh, the days of my past, my my, my secret nerddom. Yeah. <laughs> well, not secret now, man. I just blew up your spot. I, I remember like that, that the gaming store you worked at, there was like this like really intense model that was set out that had like a toxic pond and like a dude that was like somewhat submerged in the pond. Yeah, they had like, the, whole, the whole terrains out there and everything. Yep. Yes. Okay, just... I want you to know these are the kinds of things I remember. I, I can't remember like my own address, but like I can remember this from like 20 years ago. Anyways, okay. So Rich, let's just start. Why don't you tell us about Born From Pain Baked Goods? Tell us how it started, why it started, and what you do. Absolutely. Born From Pain Baked Goods started... The idea um, of having my own thing has been, you know, years and years and years of just being myself, like wanting my own thing. I've always liked to cook. I've always liked to feed people. Back in December of 2020, so going back, what is seven months, um, I was sitting watching um, The Chef Show on Netflix. That's a John Favreau hangs out with his cool chef friends and makes food, right? And I was, I was just in pandemic boredom watching this series and got inspired by this bread episode. He was making bread. I'm sure everybody was making bread during the pandemic. And I caught on way later on, right? This is just watching this like, oh, bread, okay. All the years I've been cooking, I've never made bread. So I watched an episode. I was like, that looks really easy. Ran to the store, came back, had some yeast, whatever, made a loaf of bread. And it came out 90% perfect, in my opinion. And my friend was like, hey, that was great. And I was like, you know what? If I can do that once, I could probably do that many times. So on top of making bread, I have always made seitan. I've known how to make seitan. I've, I've known how to do it for so many years. And a lot of people have no idea either what it is, how it's made, why it's made. And I partnered the two things together because it was coming up on Christmas time and people do their holiday meals. You know, they want like some sort of like holiday vegan meal. They go out and buy the tofurkey ball, you know, the seitan with the little stuffing in the middle. So I was like, why don't I literally in, in just sort of watching this show, making a loaf of bread and thinking about what I know how to make in the, in, as a vegan meal, I was like, this is the genesis of what I'm going to start a business on. So I put the idea together on paper. I made an Instagram post about it to hold myself accountable. I made a video. It's still on there saying, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm starting. And here we go. And I thought of a small menu, couple bread items, two seitan flavors. I went, I registered my business. I got all the proper licensing. I went online. I did all the research. I registered my name as a business. And then I started offering bread and seitan as born from pain baked goods right around Christmas time of 2020. And that's when it started. And that's how it started. It's all John Favreau's fault, essentially, that I started this small business that has been um, probably the best thing I've ever decided to do. I've been waiting to blame John Favreau for something. So thank you. That's, that's been very helpful. Uh, Monica. I just have to say, I think that's really, really impressive. If you look back to our grandmothers, they used to bake bread every day and I have never made a loaf of bread. And 
it's not something I even want to do. I like to buy bread and I don't even know what seitan is. And that just to me seems like such a leap to make sausage patties and pepperoni. So um, kudos to you. And also I'm really impressed you could find yeast. Apparently like that's, I did hear about the yeast shortage. So good for you to even making that leap. So can you tell us a, a bit about how you even learned to cook with seitan like, and also baking bread? Like th this is just not something that everybody does Very and true. it doesn't, it, it's not necessarily unique to veganism, but I do think that there's a bigger story here. Sure. So the seitan thing and seitan has been around for a very, very, very long time. Um, it's uh, origins are in Asian cooking. It's been around for many, many years. And what seitan is just as a quick for people who don't know what it is, it is the protein that comes from wheat. So if you took some white flour and you put water and you turned it into a dough without yeast, right? And make this big, just a, bu a bunch of uh, a dough ball. And then you put water on it and you wring it out and you wring it out and you wring it out the starch will come out of the flour. And then what you'll be left over with after you do this a couple of times is a big ball of the protein that is in the flour. And that is essentially what seitan is, a very clean, very simple ingredient, right? And it's a very rubbery sort of, it's a meat substitute, the texture, if you make it right, the texture is like a meat texture. So it essentially on that, like the tofu tip, whatever you add to it, it's gonna taste like, you know, people put whatever sauces and ingredients and spices and stuff into it. But the thing about it is the texture. Um, there's a lot of different methods of making it. So essentially you skip the making your own gluten yourself and you just buy the derived wheat gluten. So um, you take that, you make a dough ball and I make all these different flavors. And it just sort of depends on what um, time of year it is. You know, I do like a holiday flavored one for the holidays, like a, you know, like Christmas and Thanksgiving time. Um, I have the firestorm right now, which is in a barbecue <laughs> flavor, which <laughs> the firestorm is a spicy one. And the barbecue is a standard like smoky barbecue. So being vegan, I'm 43. And I think I went vegan first when I was in late high school. So I was probably 16, 17 years old. And I found out what veganism was and stuff and poorly went vegan. I ate like lettuce and tomato sandwiches, ate maybe a veggie burger. And like we all kind of, if we're coming from the, the mid nineties, that's what we did, right? Um, been vegetarian vegan since then. But since then I've learned the proper way to cook things, the proper way to eat and how expansive vegan cooking can be. And when I learned how to make seitan and learned exactly how simple it actually is, I don't wanna give my secrets away, but when I learned how easy it is to make, it's become the thing that I have the most fun making and people have the most fun enjoying because it's a great substitute for so many different things. You know, the pepperoni that I make is a seitan based thing. You put on pizzas, sausage patties, you have them for breakfast. The, the seitan um, roasts for Christmas time or whatever, you put them in a crock pot and you make them with vegetables. So I just took all of the things that I used to make for myself when I did these, like I'll make seitan for Thanksgiving dinner. Like, but people go out to the store and they'll spend $30, $40 on a, a tofurkey kit or whatever brand, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll buy something from the store. And my goal was to provide something similar, but with a little less cost and a little bit more uh, love put into it. I mean, I just enjoy making food for people to eat and enjoy. And that's really where this all comes from. Oh, I love yeah. that so much. Putting love into it. Yeah. That's it's just, a, it sounds a little incredible. crunchy, but it's, it's true. It really is. <laughs> I'm all into that. Yeah. Uh, oh, so Monica and I have a, a thing that we say about vegan food, which is like we rank it by year. So like if we were to say like, you know, that kind of like 
early vegan where you're having like the lettuce and tomato sandwich and that's like your hub of food or like that one brand of potato chips that were vegan, we call that like 1997 veganism. And if we go and eat places, we'll rank it by year. Like, oh, what year of veganism is this? Is this like 2021 where it's like, I can't believe we have these options? Or is this like a 2000 where you're like pretending it's good, but it's actually terrible? When you're at Chili's with a black bean burger, like the Chili's yes. black bean burger was like, that was, that was where you, you go, you go after the show or, or whatever, and you're getting black bean burgers from Chili's. And that's the, yeah, that's peak like 2000s, 99, 2000s vegan right there. We, we had uh, lunch at a, at a cafe recently and their vegan sandwich was like pure, like 2001 mainstream restaurant option. It was just a salad on bread and, and like, how like psyched you were in 2001. You're like, they've got an option. <laughs> Something we can order. Yeah. One of my examples of that was, um, was a uh, tofu salad, right? Like instead of like chicken salad or tuna salad, it was a tofu salad, but with raisins and Granny Smith apples. Was this ever something that you came across? Because oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's a very like dated, like 1998, 99, like, Ooh, they have a tofu salad, but it's got raisins and apples in it. Yeah. It's just very, yeah. Very specific, <laughs> weird old vegan things that were like, you delighted to get them then, but now, Oh no. Well, that's like the, what I call that now it's like your mom's friend heard you were vegan and made something for you. And that's what it is now. It's like, oh, you're, you're one of those, they're one of those vegans. Well, here's, I made this for you. Here's my follow-up question. Yes. Your business is interesting. Cause like you actually were very thought out, like, oh no, I'm going to make this a real deal of business. Like very often when Monica and I are interviewing vegan business people, it's like, oh, it just kind of like developed organically and we're doing this thing. And the next thing we knew we we're going to have a business. You were like, no, I'm actually going to start a business and do it. So what was your goal? I wanted to make sure that I legitimized everything because if I was putting time and money into something um, upfront, it was going to be the thing that I want to continue doing. I want, like I mentioned earlier, I want to have something for myself, right? I've always wanted to have something for myself. So I started the business in a legitimate way. And the goal in doing so was to finally have that thing that I could call my own and provide other people with stuff, right? Uh, I've, I've worked for so many other people, small businesses, big businesses, big companies, whatever. And it's all, I put my time and heart into other people's uh, businesses. And I know it's appreciated, but it's not mine. You know, I come home at the end of the day and, you know, I don't have the thing. I put my, my energy into it. This time, the goal was to have something my own and that I can grow and I can learn and I can provide and spread, you know, vegan awareness, uh, good food, um, good times, and just build the community too. Because where I live in Rhode Island, the you know, it, Rhode Island's the smallest state in the United States, so we're all sort of interconnected. You know, you don't, you know, everybody knows somebody that you know around here, and especially in the vegan scene because it is still growing. So the goal was just to start it, have it legitimized, and also because I put the the time and the money into it, the goal was like. It, you got to make it happen. Right. So I did that. And then it just started happening so instantaneously. Um, so the ball's been rolling since December and it's, it's very, it's sort of almost overwhelming me a little bit because I didn't expect it to happen so fast. Can you tell us a bit about your experience running a vegan business in a renowned fishing community? Yeah. <laughs> so I've lived in Rhode Island. I moved here in 1996. Um, for college. Uh, I'm, I'm from Long Island, New York, moved to Providence, Rhode Island for college. 
coming up here as a vegan in 1996, as we kind of mentioned before, the the old days of veganism, you know, um, there was nothing, there's nothing around here, especially in, you know, in New England, uh, Providence being a small, uh, not very advanced city at the time. Um, you know, it was a lot of lettuce sandwiches and, you know, potato chips, right? Um, as things grow, as time goes on, um, now you're still surrounded by seafood, Italian food. Um, there's a lot of ethnic food, a lot of Portuguese, a lot of things that are involving meat, fish, animal products and stuff around here. That's what we're known for. But as things are growing and as things are progressing, I, I've always seen Rhode Island as like in last place when it comes to these progressive things like vegan restaurants or plant-based options at restaurants and stuff. It's been hard and it's it's still a little bit of an uphill battle around here because it is it is definitely not like Northern California where I used to live and every block there's a vegan restaurant, a vegan cafe, a vegan grocer. You know what I mean? I, I was spoiled when I lived out there. And then that was a sort of a motivating factor though taking that, I mean, if they can have it out there, why can't we have it here? You know what I mean? We are surrounded by the fishing industry and seafood and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But if they can do it, you know, why can't we? And I think the vegan community here has seen that it is a lot easier now because I think social media, the internet is obviously something that's a, a wonderful vehicle to sort of spread the awareness and let people know where to find it, how to find it. Um, and you don't have to suffer through lettuce, sandwiches and potato chips anymore um, because there are people here that are offering things that are just as good um, as, as anywhere else. So, so you brought up the idea earlier of building a community around born, uh, born from pain. And I'm interested in your experience with being part of a community that inspired you. So I know you've, like, like you said, you were in Northern California. You, we have a lot of uh, mutual acquaintances and mutual friends, a lot of people who have started businesses and some of them have been like short-lived vegan businesses and some of them have gone on to be very successful. So who are some of the people who've influenced you from your community where you can say like, Hey, it's because this person gave me this idea or this, I patterned myself after this. Like who are the people who really influenced you? Sure. First and foremost, um, I have to thank my mom because outside of the community, but my mom was an old hippie. Okay. She was, she was, she lived in Southern California in the late seventies. She was vegan in the late seventies. She knows what veganism is. So when I, you know, an, an ignorant teenager started like being like bringing home pita pamphlets from shows and being like, I want to save the animals. She was like, Oh, well, let's go and get some of this stuff from the store. And it was, my mom, first and foremost, she knew what it was and influenced me to be like, oh, that's a good thing. I know I can help you. Okay. First and foremost, got to give mom the props, right? Once I got older and learned my way there, my second biggest influence is definitely when I worked for Timeless Coffee in Oakland. Um, RJ, the owner of Timeless and all the staff there, Violet, the head baker. I managed Timeless, which is an all vegan bakery and cafe in their like second and third year. They had been open a year. I had moved out there and then I was the manager and worked there for about three and a half years and managed for two years. That place single-handedly showed me how to do exactly what every vegan person who wants to own that kind of business to do. You know, mm-hmm. the, the ways to handle customers, the way to handle the recipes, the way to ha- everything. I said, you know, and, and it was all stuff that was like, wow, okay, they can do it and they're doing it and they did a wonderful thing. So having that experience working with customers, um, you know, making products, um, being out there just sort of like 
seeing a business grow was super like motivational for me. I, and, and that's was like, okay, they can do it. So in the back of my head, I just stored all this stuff. Right. Um, and of course, when I learned about veganism through, I'm probably going to touch on this, but um, the earth crisis connection, I'm sure we were going to get there, but I might as well touch on it. Um, earth crisis being the band that probably got 90% of vegans who are into hardcore into veganism to begin with. Um, just learning about it through the music scene, my friends, you know, oh, I'm vegan. What's vegan? The first time you hear that word, I don't know if you can remember, but the first time you hear the word, you have no idea what it means. What is that? What is that? So learning about that through, you know, the punk and hardcore scene and um, just being motivated, seeing people that are so convicted to an idea. And, and I'm not meaning straight edge thing, just sort of the vegan thing, right? Like I want to save animals. I want to be healthy. I want to uh, save the planet. It's all, you know, the, those ideas have always stuck with me. And it's, if you can spread that knowledge and that positive sort of message through food, I'm like, I'm all about it. So, you know, I've always kept that like in my head as well. Like I want to have something that people can come and enjoy. People love it. Um, people can spread a message through it. Like, Oh, this is just, no, there's no animals. You know, there's people who have tried my product as their first time eating something vegan. This happened a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, my mind blew because I was on that side of the counter before, you know, I was the, okay, I'll try this vegan thing. And they come back and they're, I loved it. That was great. Oh my God. And that's like, that's like exactly why I do it. That was, that moment is like, that makes my heart full. It makes me smile. And it's just like, that's what makes me do it again. And I just can't wait to have that keep happening. That is huge. Being the first to be an experience for someone. That's just huge. Yeah. So how do you approach the conversations with non-vegans? There, <laughs> this is a great, this is a great one. So I have a friend, uh, a co-worker where I work um, and he is, he's a meat guy. And we all know like the stereotypical meat guy, you know, I only meet meat. The only time I eat vegetables is with my meat. Okay. He knows what I do. He knows what my, my, my business is about. Um, and he asks me about it every once in a while. And I'm just like, Oh, you know, it's, uh, it's going well. Do you want to try anything? You know, I'm always, I'm always just asking him like, Hey, do you want to try it? And he's cause he's always asking small questions. Oh, what? So what is it again? How is it made? What's Satan? What? And I always first and foremost, always just offer a tape. Do you want to try it? Because that's the best way to get somebody to understand what you're doing, right? Do you want to try it? No, no, I don't really want to try. And this is, you know, this is his reaction to it, which is fine. You know, if you, don't, you it's an unknown product and you're into meat and whatever, okay, that's fine. I always want to just make sure that people understand that I'm not trying to, you know, have them replace eating meat right away just because they tried my thing, right? It's a simple conversation. I understand how people eat. I understand how people think. I understand how people communicate with one another. And my goal is always to just let them understand what I'm doing. Like I'm making a product that has no animal products. That's a meat alternative. You know, do you want to try it? No, that's okay. But meat guy from work over the course of the past couple months, he's asking more questions, right? And when somebody starts asking a little bit more and more unprovoked in my mind, that's like, he might actually at some point just try it. And you know what? If he tries it, that's a win for me, right? But the conversation usually is just, I'm making something that's a meat alternative. It's because I care about animals. I don't like doing that myself. I've never been a pushy vegan, right? So I make sure that I'm not that 
there's so many different, you know, sub genres of vegans, right? We can go through that. Um, but I've never been a pushy one and I will never be a pushy one. I just make people understand what I offer, which is an animal free product. That's a meat alternative. And if you want to try it, that's great. And if not, I'll be here when you want to try it because I'm sure at some point, maybe you will. So, you know, I'll, I'll help you there. Um, I will always answer questions and I'll never judge. You know, I, I really want to be open to, the people who don't understand. And I want to be open to my, you know, target demographic, if you want to put it that way. Um, working at Timeless in Oakland, Timeless is an all vegan cafe that never used the word vegan in any of their stuff. Everything that they have on the shelves is just like empanada, pizza roll, uh, sausage roll, whatever it is, piece of cake, you know, tiramisu cake. The word vegan is not there. So if somebody off the street doesn't know, they can walk in and they'll order a thing and they can leave and eat it and 100% not know that they just ate a vegan piece of cake or a pizza roll or whatever. Or they can come back and they, they, can, they can ask questions and then they'll learn or they know. You know, there's three different kinds of customers. Um, I really envied Timeless for taking, that's a really big step. That's a really ballsy move to just be like, this is our food, this is food, right? We don't have to always label it vegan. This is food, this is what we eat. Well, happy to explain it to you, but we want to sort of normalize having a vegan establishment. And we don't want it to be this sort of like, oh, it's vegan. You know, I'm sure there's been many, many people you've come across, and you know, oh, it's vegan. And that sort of like degrades it somehow, like, oh, it's vegan. No, not at all. It's wonderful. We've come a long way since lettuce sandwiches and, and black bean burgers. We have. Mm -hmm. And so many of our great our greatest foods are vegan, like a PB and J. Like <laughs> have you ever had <laughs> an apple? <Right>? Terrific. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Yeah. So Rich. Both Monica and I were almost laughing earlier because you're in this like really detailed conversation and your cat jumped up behind, like behind you. And we were both like cat. And of course we we're listening to what you're saying, but we love, we love animals. Of course she's, but, she's an attention hog. Oh, it's the best. But at one point she was behind you and you could, we could only see her butt as you were speaking, but then she turned around and you could see her head and you were like, and I had all this stuff in my head. And as you pointed back, your cat was, was back there. <laughs> She got your back. Part of the show, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was really, really good. All right, man. So, you know, as I said earlier, we've known each other for years and years and years. And, you know, I'd, I'd say, like, we are in the realm of, like, friendy, acquaintancey kind of guys. Like, you know, like, really, like, like and respect each other. Haven't spent tons of time together. And the way that I've always known you is through music. And it seemed at one point music didn't become your only output. So that's how I've known you is via music. Like, you're just putting out music. But last year, and correct me if I'm wrong around, around the podcast, but it seems like two different ways of expressing yourself came out around the same time. One was your podcast, which I'd love to hear about, and the other was Born From Pain. So what was with that shift from being mostly, hey, I, I just express myself through music, that's my output, versus having these two new ways of expressing yourself? So uh, the podcast, um, Does It Get Better, is, was what it's called, um, the uh, the genesis of that podcast was my friend, Neil and I, um, he's, I've known him since I was early high school. He kind of got me into hardcore and stuff. He's been my oldest friend. We were having a rough time, um, mentally, uh, for the pandemic, you know, influence, just like a lot of people were having tough mental health times. Right. We decided, he decided to ask me, he was like, listen, I know 
you've gotten better from the things that I was going through. And he was going through a little bit. He's like, why don't we just talk about it? Why don't we just do a podcast? Let's just be two tattooed men that don't look like they should be talking about their feelings to start talking about their feelings. And I thought that was a brilliant idea that we just kind of put ourselves out there because so much of this isolation, so much of this depressing like winter time, so much of just like not being able to socialize gave us an idea to just be like, let's just talk and let's put it out there. Let's show people. And it wasn't, and, and it's not meant to just like only men can listen or, or relate. It's this targets the, the entire, uh, any audience, but we decided that let's put it out there. Let's talk about a problem. Some stuff was really heavy. Some stuff we were, you know, had to work through some, some of our, you know, deep traumas and stuff. And then some stuff was, you know, light and, and funny because Neil, Neil, um, is a professional stand-up comedian. He's on tour right now. So we're on a little bit of a break, but we just decided that it was like time for us to talk right? Time to feel better. And it was almost like a weekly therapy session for both of us, but it was put out on the internet. You know, we did a video version and we did an audio version and from the podcast gave me this motivation. I was like, okay, just start a new podcast. We're talking about some really heavy stuff. The bakery stuff, the born from pain stuff really was like another, like it, it kind of came out of the motivation from putting something into motion, like, Hey, let's start a podcast. You know, everybody says, Hey, let's start a podcast. Let's do a podcast. Right. And it's, it's everywhere nowadays. And it's great. I love that. I love that there's a podcast for everything nowadays, but we put it into motion and it happened and we were doing it. And then I was like, then that December watching that chef show came around and I was like, I'm going to make bread. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do it. It was this, like, because I did it once once I realize I'm the kind of person that I, I really takes a lot for me to get over the hump of like, eh, I can't do, like, I can't really do that. There's too many obstacles. But once I started putting myself out there talking about like some serious stuff with my best friend and then putting it out there in a podcast, I was like, wait, if I can do that, that's some really heavy stuff on a, on a different level. Why can't I just start a business? And that's how the, the motivation and the like, I'm going to do this thing kind of came about. I had that momentum, you know, Neil and I just started talking and talking, had that momentum. I felt really good about myself. I started turning things around a little bit and both things kind of went hand in hand. It's that just like positive forward momentum of feeling like you can't do something or shouldn't do something. And then you do it. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. It was that easy. And that's how Born From Pain started too. And a little, a little side note on Born From Pain, I kind of I mentioned, I did go through had a really rough year. A lot of us did. I had a very rough year, went through some really deep things. And the born from pain name is like three or four levels of what it means. There's a, there's a lot that goes into it. And the born from pain is a, li a literal translation of what I had went through. And one of the reasons why it exists, it was born out of this emotional pain and stuff that I had went through, which motivated me to start the bakery itself. So there's a lot there, but it's uh, those two things definitely go hand in hand. It's really inspiring. Thanks. Yeah, the the podcast is is something I never thought I would have done uh, topic wise. I've done podcasts before. I did a podcast on Magic the Gathering and um, Hearthstone. I did with my best friend for a year. We did that. Um, you know, lighthearted stuff, music podcast, guesting on like things um, you know music related or or game related. And then when it came around to doing a podcast about you know, my own personal mental health and men's mental health. 
I was like, I'm not a professional, but I went through a lot and I got to the opposite of where I was. You know, I, I, I went through therapy, I did all this stuff. And then I got to the other side, you know, and when somebody who is at their deepest low and feels like there's no help, hearing somebody say, I was there and I was able to get through it and I'm on the other side of it. That's another goal. For, that was a goal for me that if that helps one person, if somebody just needs to hear those words and they look for the help or they get the help that they need to turn around whatever situation it is, that's the kind of person I am. I'm a helper, you know? And so I put that stuff out there in, in hopes that it helps someone uh, in need or, or, or might be in that kind of situation. So again, like, as you can tell, like, with my food thing, I like to feed people. I like to see people happy with the, you know, the podcast. I just want people to feel better. You know, I'm just like, I'm a pleaser. You know what I mean? So that's where it all comes from. All right, Rich, how do you differentiate your sense of self from your business? It's clear you're really passionate about both. Yeah. Well, I thought about that question a little bit. It was a little, and I actually had to look at it a few times and <laughs> like I was how am I going to answer this question right how am I going to answer this question and I feel like I am a singular entity when it comes to it because I am the the bit it sounds weird to say but I am the business and the face and the output everything that comes out of my business is me it's my personality um the names of my stuff right the names of the things that you order they have a silly little meaning or they have a little, you know, if, you know, the firestorm Satan, right? It's a reference to earth crisis because it's a spicy Satan. You know what I mean? People know me, I think, as a nice, friendly, happy, outgoing person. And I want to put that on the business. So anything that I do in relation to my business, I sort of want to put that stamp on it as a nice, happy, outgoing, friendly business. And I just want to translate that as best as I can because, um, Again, the people pleaser in me always wants to come out. Um, you know, somebody orders something that I don't know. I always make sure I follow up with, hey, was everything all right? You know what I mean? I just want to make sure that they were happy. And if they weren't happy, I'm going to make them happy somehow. You know what I mean? Um, and it's it's really hard to differentiate myself from the business itself because it's like, it's my thing. And I, I want people to know it's mine as maybe a little bit of a self-validation kind of thing, like a little pat on the back. Cause I finally did this thing that I was always thinking about and talking about. Um, but I should have no, uh, no shame in that because like, it's a success, right? It's a personal success. And my friends, family, everyone's been so supportive about it. Um, where I want that to sort of keep running through as long as I can that born from pain baked goods is me, no matter how big it gets, it came from me and it came from the values that I have. And I, I think that's important. It's, it's the values that I had and put into it. So I think that's, that's how I would answer that question. It, it was a tough one for me to think about and to answer like in a concise way, because I just think it's just, it's me, it's my personality finally put into uh, you know, an entity. Yeah. I love that, man. And I think, Again, having known you, known you for a long time, um, I agree totally. And it's, you know, it's like it's bringing out like the best parts of who you are and putting that into the brand while also allowing you to be a human being in the background. Right. Um, okay, let's talk about Earth Crisis. Uh, <laughs> so for anyone who, who doesn't know, which would be a lot of people listening to this, uh, Born from Pain is also an Earth Crisis reference. And Earth Crisis is 
easily one of the most iconic bands uh, in the history of hardcore. I'd say certainly in the top three of the biggest, well, maybe top five of the biggest hardcore bands of all time. Mm-hmm. So I went vegetarian because of Youth of Today. I went vegan because of, because of Earth Crisis. And I remember the first time I heard Earth Crisis. I was walking, it was, I was in Calgary. I was walking from high school to my friend David O'Donnell had a house that was like two blocks away from our high school where we'd all used to go and smoke weed and, and, and on the weekends or not on the weekends on our breaks. And we were on our way there and someone gave me their headphones. I was like, yo, you need to listen to this. And I heard Firestorm and I was like, oh my God, like this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Now, of course, I've been listening to like Slayer and all that, but there was just something different about Earth Crisis that like, even though it was like not super technical, like uh, like Slayer, it had like a level of brutality. But then I was like, vegan? Who are these nerds? Like, what are these people vegan? I wasn't vegetarian at the time. So I remember walking past and it was like winter in Calgary and there's all the snow everywhere. But there was something about it. And it goes to what you said earlier, where it's like, hey, if you're not ready now, I'll be here when you're not, when you are ready. And, you know, I was into hardcore. I was into punk. Um, I'd loved Youth of Today, but I hadn't become vegetarian yet. And then, you know, as time I got out of high school, got into college and became vegetarian. And I, I got ready, you know, I, and Earth Crisis was there, you know, at this point, they'd put out like Destroy the Machines uh, there in like, you know, I'd really gotten more into that side of things. And it was interesting because like very few bands can say that they've impacted the world the way that Youth of Today did. Well, first of all, that Minor Threat did, the way that Youth of Today did, the way that Earth Crisis did. And then arguably, I'd say like a band like Have Heart has gone on to like you know, massively impact the world. There's these like iconic bands. But the interesting thing is you've got these bands and it's, it's easy to relate to a band and wear their T-shirt. But the interesting thing for me is all the channels that came from that, all of the people that have gone to impact the world. So tell us about Earth Crisis and how that helped you feel like you could create some kind of positive change in the world. All right. Well, I think the the first time I heard Earth Crisis was seeing Earth Crisis by accident. (laughs) So... The situation there was like tenfold because you got, I got to say, I was younger in this hardcore punk scene in New York. The PWAC was where people went to shows, the People with AIDS Coalition. It was this, it was basically a big warehouse uh, on the backside of this nonprofit organization in the front. They, they leased out the back. The PWAC is a very famous venue for Long Island. I, when I got into hardcore and punk, I obviously started going to these shows because that's where people went. And there was a big show, Earth Crisis, you know, the no, no idea, right? I was still gleaning information from everywhere. Like, what is this band? What is that? What am I, you know, packed, crazy. The words were like, what are they? Oh, this is wild. So that I think maybe the next day or whatever, I went to uh, the mall and I was able to find uh, the All Out War tape um, at the wall, which was the music store. Uh, that I went to and I, cause of earth crisis, this is wild. What is, then I read the lyrics and I was like, Oh my, it was like over my head at this point as a, you know, mid teenager, it was like, it was, I didn't even really know what the word militant meant at that point, but that's what people will go on to like associate earth crisis with right. Militant straight edge veganism. I'm just like, this is over my head, but 
it was a very quick learning process being associated, associating with a lot of the people in the hardcore and punk community, learning that vegetarianism, straight edge and veganism were like a thing within this community, knowing that my mom was vegan and vegetarian and we sort of would speak about it here and there. And I toyed with the idea of being vegetarian a couple times. And once I got into the community more and frequented shows, saw Earth Crisis and saw this huge react, like you can imagine what Earth Crisis in 1995-ish, four or five would be. It was just like, this is important. This is something and I'm reading the words more and more, some stuff completely over my head. I would ask some questions like, what's the deal? What is, what is straight edge? You know, at that point, I didn't know what straight edge, what is veganism? What is vegetarianism really? Got into it. I read the words. And from there, I was like, oh, I love animals. Um, I don't drink or smoke or do drugs currently. I never have. I never did. I just was like, oh, that's me. So I fell in right into the straight edge identity, very young age. I was like, all right, this is cool. And there's people like me. And there's people who really, really care about the environment and animal, uh, animal rights and veganism. So if I'm going to be vegetarian, I might as well try to be vegan, right? That was, a, that was, that was like a, a ping pong match for many, many years. It was like, you know, just like cold turkey veganism in 1995, like we're back to the lettuce and tomato sandwiches. You know what I mean? It's like, and I'm a big guy. Dude. I really like, yeah, lots of fries. <laughs> like because like I'm always hungry I lost a ton of weight I was like super super skinny in high school I'm like because I wasn't eating anything you know what I mean but I was like it's for the animals it's for the earth it's you know what I mean I was like really getting into that whole like like I'll suffer you know through it so some animals can live you know what I mean really 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 uh into that idea I still am I mean into that idea but I'll eat now now you can eat a lot better um but then, so the earth crisis thing, it's just like transcended all these literal like decades now, right? We're like three decades in of earth crisis being around and influencing music and not just music, but the audience and their message. And I had mentioned earlier in a conversation that like, they are going to influence generations forever, yeah. For they are going forever. Like their my and yours experiences with them will happen to 15-year-olds till the end of time. You know, as it the hardcore metal punk community will exist forever. Earth crisis will exist forever because music is forever. People are gonna find it and have that like interaction, like, oh. Oh, I care about animals. I care about, you know, the world. I care about my body, you know, whatever sort of route they're going to take. But that's what happened to me. And, and it's like, they're going to influence for generations. They've influenced me. I'm 43 years old now. And they've been influencing since I was you know 15. And to a point where I named my business after one of their songs. And I named one of the items after one of their songs. And I made sure to reach out to them before I did anything. And I was like, hey, listen. Love you guys. I started a business, I, and this was like after I had already registered the business. But I was like, had my fingers crossed. Um, I was like, I named my business this. It's an all vegan business. I hope you're okay with it. Um, are you oh, not? I hope you're okay with it. I, I are you okay with this? Because I was using obviously some of their, you know, their their artwork, you know, their fonts and stuff. Uh, uh, very very close to. Um, all of their all of their artwork and stuff so i wanted to make sure it was cool um and scott 
from Earth Crisis was the one to, to receive my message. And he said, totally cool. Just send me some stuff. And <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. Like, and I have no connection with them at all. Like, I don't know them as friends or people. I just know them as they are Earth Crisis and who they are. I know there's a lot of people in, in my circle of friends who know them directly. But it, I was just like a stranger reaching out. I was like, listen, you influenced me. I kind of gave them the same spiel I just told you guys. I was like, I saw you guys in 1995. You influenced me for this long. And I started a business. And that's, and that's comes full circle, you know, comes, you know, seeing them as a kid and having that huge impact then to wanting to sort of put their stamp on something via my business, because that's how much I feel like they deserve that, you know, that timeless sort of uh, recognition. Um, and I want, and if somebody listens to earth crisis by accident, because of my, uh, my business, that's, that's a win in my book as well. All right. So it's clear that you put your whole heart into your business and that you've had these full circle moments. Um, what challenges have you experienced in the vegan market, um, in your area and in the community that you live in as a whole? Sure. Challenges so far. Um, I I'm happy to say that there hasn't been many, um, because the community and the support of people that know what I'm doing around here has been like almost overwhelming. It's like what I sometimes have to question, like I look around, like, am I on camera? Like, why are you being so supportive? Why are you helping me so much? You know, because I, I don't believe that I deserve that much sort of that positive uh, feedback, but the only challenges I've, I've hit so far is really like how to grow. Um, because things are happening rather quickly for me. My name is getting out there. A lot of um, a lot of support, like I mentioned, from other vegan businesses and some non-vegan businesses that brought my product into their place and they're using it as part of their menu. So people are getting to know my stuff. I went to, last night. In fact, there was a they do a um, one of the local vegan businesses here, like No Utter. They um, they do a vegan drink tonight. <laughs> like No Utter. Like No Utter. That's so yep. cute. Yep. They, uh, fun fact about them, they are, they were the very first, and it is documented, they were the very first all vegan ice cream truck um, in the United States. They, they've, they go back many years. Uh, they've been in Providence for a long time. Uh, they're owned by wonderful people and they do this, they call it vegan drinks night. So they, they have a bunch of um, vegan food on the menu at a certain place and uh, the vegan community comes out and we, and I went by last night and it was at this place called um, Lost Valley Pizza, which is a place that has been started and use my pepperoni on their vegan pizza. A bunch of people there. I got to meet a whole bunch of people from local businesses and everybody, I mean, I had three people, Rich, you're here, you know, everything's, and I'm like, oh, like, I think it has a combination of not socializing for a year and a half, essentially with the, you know, pandemic stuff, like not knowing how to physically interact with people. Cause I'm not like, I don't go out and socialize. I'm not really, it's not really me. So I had, you know, I'm in big room people, people coming up, Oh, your stuff's awesome. And I'm like, ah, you know, turning red, like not knowing how to speak. I introduced myself to someone that I had introduced myself to a month ago and they carried my product. I'm like, hi, I'm rich. Like not even knowing how to conduct myself, but um, challenges are every day I wake up and I'm like, okay, I told this person and this person I was going to do this thing. It's time. It's like, okay, I still work. I have a job that I have a responsibility to. Um, I have bands that I have responsibility to. I have um, housework I have responsibility to. I have a lot of things that I need to put time into, right? Time management 
I'm good at it, but I'm not great at it. So one of the challenges is like, okay, so I'm supposed to send a box of this and this box of this to this person and this person. Okay, when am I going to get into the kitchen to do that? Okay, I can only do that on this day. It's time. And but it's it's the it's that kind of thing that makes it fun for me. It's like a little puzzle. How am I going to put all these things together? Because I'm going to succeed. Like I can't at this point, like I said in the beginning, I, I wanted to hold myself accountable. So any challenge that comes up is like a fun, like, okay, if I can tackle that one, I know how to do it next time. Right. Mm. Um, the growth and stuff is the, <laughs> the only thing that's a real challenge is just like, I put a little bit of my own money into this to start it up. And that's all I had to start with. And that's all I had. So anything that comes in from the business is going right back into it. Right. So in order to grow, I got to sell a lot of stuff in order to sell a lot of stuff. I got to make a lot of stuff. I got to make a lot of stuff. That's a lot of time. So it's all sort of exponentially like more responsibility, more time, more money. Um, and as a small business, I don't want to, and this is a personal thing. I don't want to reach out to other avenues for financial help in order to get to these places. I want to make it happen myself as best as I can. So my only concern is that I might take on too much at once. Um, but if the, uh, the vegan drinks night last night and all the people that were coming up to me and saying, Hey, if you need any help, if you need anything, Oh, I can do that for it. So much help. It's like, you know what? I think I got this. I think it'll be okay. I just got to, you know, organize my time correctly and put some focus in and really just go for it. Um, so hopefully I have some bigger challenges for, you know, next time. But I think right now I, my challenges are just really organizing time and, and just making more money so I can grow. <laughs> I love that, man. Um, can I make a suggestion? Yes. And you might have already done this, like that kind of like, how do I grow? How do I scale up? How do you do these things? Um, you should reach out to Chris Callahan uh, from uh, Magic Vegan Bacon Grease. Okay. His story is the one where it's like, oh, I, I kind of un... I, by mistake, I made a business. So it's different from yours because you intentionally made a business, but that, that scalability and that like warm reception is the same. He could probably give you some really good advice. Uh, sorry, Chris, I'm kind of volunteering you for this, but you're a cool, a very cool person. So I'm sure you'll do it. As we're closing off, I got three questions for you. Yes. All right. The first one is I'm going to restrain how much you can talk about each one of these things because they're tough questions. All right. What's the goal for born from pain in two years? five years and 10 years. And you can only use one sentence for each one of those answers. Two years, five years, 10 years. Okay. In two years, Born From Pain will be a small storefront in Providence, Rhode Island. Five years, Born From Pain will have at least one storefront in the New England area outside of Rhode Island. And in 10 years, I will be retired and people will be running my business for me. Respect. Respect to you. The deepest level of respect. <laughs> All right. Second question. What is for you the most impactful verbal assault song? That's so tough. That's why I asked it, man. I'm not asking. <laughs> I'm not out here asking the easy stuff. Ah. <sighs> You know, I'm going to have to take a pass. I'm going to have to take a pass on that one. Okay. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to circle back. You don't get to fully take a pass, but you can gather your, your strength there sure. on that okay. one. Okay. Second to last, but kind of was intended to be the last question. 
we get people from all walks of life that listen to this podcast. You know, we get traditional business people from the corporate world. We get punks, we get hardcore people, we get artists, we get athletes, because really what everyone comes to the podcast for, it's about leadership. And this is a story of leadership. And there's an element of self-leadership where you're talking about like, I wanted to be accountable, but there's also like leadership in the market and leadership of in the community saying like, Hey, I can do this. So from just a broad idea, if you were to say, what have you learned about leadership as a result of doing this business? What is it? Oh man, this business in particular, um, has shown me that like, there's a supportive community, uh, a vegan community here and people appreciate my products and I put the pride and the heart and the love into my products, right? Showing people that I care and being a person that being the, you know, the, the, you know, being the business, like this physical embodiment of my business. I want to show people that it's not about money. It's not about, um, popularity. It's not about any of these things that some people might start a business for. It's not about attention. It's about providing a quality product that people enjoy, that people can talk about and people can come back to. And doing something like that, seeing the reaction of my friends, you know, when I do the pop-ups to the food truck or whatever, and they come and they're like, man, you do, this is awesome. You're doing such a great thing. And you know, those those points where those people came up and had Satan for the first time and then came back. To me, it, it feels like leadership in a way where it's like this, I'm this new, this new little thing, right? With a with a figurehead. I'm the figurehead. And I keep going and I keep going and I keep creating and keep putting stuff out there. And I keep getting myself in in small businesses as a sort of wholesale accounts and stuff. And people can see what I'm doing. And this comes back to like what I was doing with the podcast. People can see what myself and my business is doing. And that might motivate somebody to take a step that they didn't think they could take. And that was, that was the whole point of this. So I took a step I never thought I could take by starting a business. When I finally did it, I was like, this is great. Maybe this, again, this could motivate somebody to do something that they didn't think they could do. Um, and I just continue on with that in the back of my head. I just continue to be me, be positive, be the person that I always knew I could be by just finally taking leaps into these realms that I have no, no, not a lot about. I have a little bit of experience working in the service industry and stuff, but just finally just going out and doing it and being that person and hopefully like people seeing it and seeing that's a positive thing maybe that person will take that step themselves. I think that's, re that's really important for me. And I, I, I don't know if that really is a good point of, of starting a business, but to me, it is just like this, my business is about food. It's about having a great meal and moving on. Right. But in the back of my head too, it's all about sort of like a positive thing that's in the world. And I really, I'm really proud of that actually, you know, <laughs> I love that, man. All right. So as we're closing off, uh, Monica, anything you want to add in as we're, as we're coming to the end here? I just have to say that it's so apparent that Born From Pain is a labor of love. And the story's been really inspiring. And that to me is, that's what leadership is, is taking a leap. Thank so you. I commend you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. This has been such like a, it has been a big leap and it's nerve wracking, but interactions like this, make everything so much easier for me. So I really appreciate that. 
Heck yeah. All right, Rich, on your end, any last words, including what your favorite verbal assault song is? <laughs> um, last words, let's see. Um, just, uh, you know, as this conversation, you can kind of get the idea that I'm, I'm a helper, I'm a people pleaser and stuff. So my business is, is out there to put a nice meal on your table, have a, have a great meal, uh, enjoy something new, maybe learn something about veganism, maybe not, maybe learn about earth crisis. Um, maybe not, but just, uh, the thing is, if you don't think you can do it, don't let that stop you in your tracks because I finally at 42 years old, I finally started the business. I always wanted to start verbal assault. I can't. <laughs> you know, on verbal assault on the topic of verbal assault, I work with Simmons farm. They were one of the first farms in Rhode Island. And this, this comes full circle here. Simmons farm is also atomic action records, which is putting ah. out the, the exit on um, reissue. Pre-orders launched today. And Brian from uh, Simmons Farm has been like the first person who um, really helped me out when I first started. He put my Satan in the farm's um, farm stand and has been uh, one of the biggest helpers. Um, but as far as my favorite verbal assault song, I can't answer that question. Okay. Well, I think, I think giving them that little pop to atomic action is like, is enough. I think that's a very respectful, respectful way to, to go there. And as we're closing off, I'm going to tell you a little earth crisis story. So when earth crisis reformed and they put out to the death, I got a phone call from uh, Todd Jones and Todd Jones said, Hey, have you listened to the new earth crisis? And I said, nah, you know, I'm a little nervous to listen to it. I love them so much. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm worried about listening to it. He said, you got to listen to it, man. I'm going to tell you what, what it is, what it makes me think of. I said, okay. He's like, I want you to think in the future that there's no more people. There's only robots (laughs) and, and the robots protect the animals. So human beings don't exist anymore. There's just robots. And those robots are in an ongoing war to protect animals. And I was like, wow, this is like really this is really bizarre. And then he saw it for a second. He goes, and those robots are straight edge. (laughs) (laughs) And I tell you, I went out and got that record right away. The idea that there's just some future where human beings don't exist anymore, that we've been replaced by robots who are in an ongoing battle to protect animals. Like they're a war. He said a war. I don't know who they're fighting, but they're in a war to protect the animals and all of the robots are straight edge, which is like the best, I, the best explanation for a record I've ever heard. I love it. Listen, thank you so much for your time. You know, ever since I heard about the business, I, I was just, I've been following it uh, with just huge anticipation. I knew you were going to do something so from the heart and from both monitors and I thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is a really cool conversation. Thank you guys so much. I was really, really excited when you reached out to have me on. I, it blew me away to get that message. So thank you so much. Uh, again, all the support and positive words, really helpful for a person like me. So I hope, uh, I hope to continue on on that upward tra- trajectory. Awesome. And for everyone out there, uh, you know, I just want to remind you, what you do matters. So whether it's playing in a punk band or it's a kind word to someone or taking a leap and saying like, you know what, I'm going to do this thing. There's a ripple effect that you don't even know about. So just like Rich said, that earth crisis is going to be influencing people for the next 15, 20, 30, 40, 100 years, whatever it is. 
a business like born from pain is going to have untold positive impact. And it's just because someone was willing to take the leap. And as Monica said, that's what leadership is. So with that, we'll see everyone in the outro and Spencer drop the beat. That was so awesome. Rich, I love you. I'm super proud of you. It's just cool. Like life is such an interesting thing. When I met Rich years ago and he was playing in a band called What Feeds the Fire, he's like, yeah, it's just some cool guy that, that, you know, I know. And we've known each other through the years, seeing each other all over the country. Here we are years later, he started a super cool business just because he felt like it. And people are psyched on it. They're embracing it. My favorite part, though, is when I was like, hey, what's the future? And he's like, this, this, and this. Like that deep sense of like, I'm going to make this happen. That's cool. If you think about your life today and what you want out of it, if you're totally happy, great, carry on. But if you've got that itch where you're like, you know what, I want something different, then by all means, start. doesn't mean you have to take some huge risk, but you make those little changes. You include something new. It could be something simple like, hey, I want to learn a language or I want to learn an instrument. Or it could be something a little bit bigger, like, hey, I want to start my own business and do that on the side while I do my job. Or it could be something even more daring. I'm going to quit my job and do my own company. I love all of it. There's nothing wrong with just being super content where you're at. But if you're not, you've got that itch, follow Rich's example and take the leap. So before we close off, I want to remind everyone that we're produced and edited by Spencer Priest, recorded by Patrick McKechnie, and with design by Tammy Levy. My name is Aram Marslanian, and this has been One Step Beyond. One step.